Uh, many of you will know that uh, I enjoy playing golf, and uh, you know, a handicap of, they have handicaps, so if you've got a handicap of four or less, it's pretty outstanding. If you get down to zero, minus one, two, you'll probably turn professional, which uh, I keep telling my wife I want to, but she just says, no, you're not good enough for that. Anyway, people ask me, what's your handicap? You know, and under four is unbelievable. So I say three. They think like, wow, you need to go professional soon, don't you? <clears throat> they say three, and I said, yeah, I've got a handicap of three. It's a golf club, it's a golf course, and it's my golf swing. <laughs> That's my three handicap, and so I'm way, way above that. Anyway, I was playing golf the other day, a few weeks ago, and I joined up with a couple of guys, uh, and uh, we just got talking, and as always comes up in conversation, I ask them what they do, just so that they'll ask me what I do. And they always do, they ask me what I do, and I said, well, I, I'm a pastor. And one of the guys said, oh, you're a pastor. He said, we must talk about religion. So I thought, oh, yeah, this is gonna be good. So a whole or two later, he, we start talking about, I, I raised the subject, I said, oh, you wanna talk about religion? And I said, well, do, do you believe in God? And he said, uh, yeah. I said, oh, what, what, what God do you believe in? He said, I believe in the God of achievement and success. Well, I thought I hadn't heard that one before. And uh, so I thought it was very interesting. So I, later on, we got a few holes later, I said, um, I said, what do you think happens when you die? And uh, he sort of said, oh, I don't really know. And I said, oh, do you believe in heaven? And he said, uh, yes. Oh, I was a bit surprised. I said, well, what's heaven? I said, what, what do you think heaven's like? Oh, he said, heaven's, you know, when everybody is successful and achieves. <laughs> it's what people believe, folks. It's what they actually think. And so I waited for another four or five holes. <laughs> then I said, let me tell you why Jesus came. And I just went through, he leaving heaven, the cross, the blood, and I shared with them the way of salvation, which was great to do. And we finished the 18 holes, and the guy says, the two of them, they said, why don't you come and, come and join us? Let's have a beer. I said, uh, I prefer whiskey. No, no, no. No beer, no whiskey for me. I don't drink, all right? But uh, they said, oh, we, we must play again sometime. Taking these opportunities, you know. The word that God's, I believe, put on my heart for this year is that it's time for harvest. It's time for harvest. It's time for your family to be saved. It's time for prodigals to come back to Jesus. Give us a wave if you've got family or friends that aren't saved. Yeah, it's just about most people in this congregation. So this should excite all of us because I'm believing that this year we're gonna see multitudes are coming to Christ and a harvest like we have never seen before in Church Unlimited. I'm pretty excited about, about that and I know that all of us would like, like to see that. You know, you know, we wanna see them not just saved, but we wanna see them added to the church. It's one thing, it's not decisions, it's disciples. It's a difference, isn't there? It's great that they come to the front, but I want to see them in church the following week. I want to see them following Jesus and, and really being soundly converted. But when Jesus was uh, about to leave 
And, uh, you know, it's like parting words to his disciples. And, you know, when people are about to go, they, they say what's dearest to their hearts. Is that right? Yeah. Have you ever thought about what you, your last words will be? It's worth thinking about because that's what's deepest in your heart. What would you say to people that gathered around you? You know you're at your last breath. What would you say to them? They said, give us some advice. It's worth thinking about. So Jesus gives them some advice, and he gives them Mark 16. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So he shared what was most important to him. And I think God wants that also to become the most important thing to us. Some, some of you may not realize that the Great Commission is actually in all four gospels in some form. It's just there. It's, it's like the heartbeat of our faith. It's a heartbeat of our Christianity. And I believe, you know, there's a gap. You know, we all want to share Jesus. There's no one in this room that doesn't want to. Uh, we want to, but we don't. And this year, God's going to close that gap. He's going to bridge that gap between I want to and I don't. Somehow he's going to work by his Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I think if we flow in with this, by the end of this year, we'll all be uh, sharing Jesus or telling people about it. However we do it, we'll be doing it in some way. Because God, it's, it's on the heart of God. If there's any area that God's going to help you in, it's going to help you to tell people about Jesus. Because that's the reason he came, why he left heaven, why he died upon the cross, to save souls, to reach lost people for Jesus. That's what it is all about. You know, you've got to ask yourself, the question: why would he do that? Well, because he was concerned about you and me. And uh, I remember telling the team Unlimited a while ago, as a young person, just a couple of years ago, um, I, was, <laughs> I was at uh, Crumb Park. It's in West Auckland somewhere. I'm going to go, go and have a check it out again because um, we had an outreach, youth outreach in those days. And um, usually not many people got saved. You know, you might get a few, but it was more just sowing the seed. So they asked me to share. I think I gave my testimony just maybe five, six, seven minutes. Then we thought, well, let's have a go at an altar call. And to everyone's amazement and to my utter shock, there was a huge harvest of souls. And I think about 30 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. It was a talk of the, of the group for some time to come, but it was just the hand of God. And I remember very early in my ministry, very early on, God gave me a passage of scripture that caught me by surprise in 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And I thought to myself, but God, I am not an evangelist. And a lot of you are thinking the same thing right now. You, you don't like, you, this is not your zone. You're, you think you're something else. And I used to think, I, I just like to teach the word of God. Lord, I'm not an evangelist. God said, do the work of an evangelist. Do you know from that time after every service that I have, I have a strong altar call for people to be saved. And we've seen hundreds, we've seen thousands of people come to Christ. If you take up the invitation that God gives you to, uh, to share Christ, He will come alongside you and you'll be amazed what you see God do. See, the issue is not your ability, it's your availability. If you are available, He will anoint you. If you're available, He'll give you opportunities. If you're available, He'll lead people to, to you who will even just say, what must I do to be saved? And then you better know how to tell them how to be saved, by the way. But that's for another sermon, all right? But uh, it's pretty exciting to see what God, what God wants to do. So the statement is, you know, you know in a term, when you get to heaven, you can still do most things, a lot of things. You can still worship God. You know, you can still pray, I guess, if you need to pray. Um, you can still love one another, which you will. <laughs> Otherwise, you won't be there, by the way. Uh, that person you can't stand right now, that Christian you hate right now, when you get to heaven, you're going to love them like crazy. So something to not look forward to. I mean, I mean to look forward to. Uh, you can still serve God in heaven, all right? But you cannot reach lost people once you get to heaven. It's over. The gates are closed. There's no more getting in. 
You know, so once we get to heaven, we can't do that. So we've got to make the most of it right here on earth. So here's a statement for all of us. You might want to jot it down somewhere. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Let's say it together. Keep the main thing, the main thing. I'll tell you something. The devil will do everything in his power to distract you, to do so many wonderful things, fantastic things, but to not do the main thing because he doesn't really care what else you do if you leave his captives alone. If you leave them on their pathway to the wrong place, he doesn't mind what else you do. So 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to... That's why he came, folks, to save sinners. We need a fresh revelation of eternal judgment, of eternal realities, of heaven and of hell. And often in revivals, God, people get visions of heaven and they get visions of hell as well. And so we need to understand where people end up, our friends, our neighbours, and our families. That's pretty scary, isn't it? I've got a lot of unsafe family. That's very troubling because I understand eternal realities. Over the years, and it's still true in my life, I look at very successful people, even on TV, some of the most famous people, you know, who are wealthy, you know, they're all over the world and people love them and follow them. I look at them and I genuinely feel sorry for them. Other people envy them. I feel sorry for them. Because I know if they don't come to Christ, They'll be in hell forever. And all the success and all the money and all the fame and all the fortune and all the trophies and all the championships are worthless if you end up in the wrong place. Friends, don't envy people. The only one thing that matters is are they saved and will they get to heaven? Let me give you some quotes on this. Ray Comfort, (laughs) he said this, this life is the only hell believers will ever know. That's you and me. But for those who die in their sins, this is their only heaven. That's powerful, isn't it? That is very powerful. You know, many people today think life is horrendous. They think it is terrible. They think it's hell on earth. That's why some people take their lives. But friends where they end up unsaved is far worse than any hell they may be experiencing here on earth. R.C. Sproul put it this way, the gospel is only good news when we understand the bad news. My prayer as I share today is that you'll get a fresh revelation of eternal realities, of heaven and hell, because that's what it's all about, friends. That's why Jesus actually did came. Let me tell you an encouraging story. A lady came up to me not long ago in our cafe, and she said, oh, can I have an Instagram? Can I have a photo with you? Because she wanted to put it on Facebook. And um, I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, I now charge $500. <laughs> she said, that's okay, I don't need the photo. No, 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 just kidding. <clears throat> so anyway, she wanted the photo, and then, uh, so I said, sure, which I normally do. And she took the photo, and then she said to me, She said, "Um, I came to a service 
I think around Christmas, sometime at Christmas. And she said, uh, the altar call was given. She said, I was standing there, and suddenly she said, I noticed my hand was up. And I thought, what is my hand doing up there? She came to the front. She gave her life to Christ. And she said to me, I was in a very, very dark place. But at that moment, it all lifted off me. God set me free. And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. She was just so grateful to God for salvation. And we're seeing more of this happening, people being saved and added. So, so we're underway. It's good what's happening, but there's, we just want to see a whole lot more of that take place. Do you know that there's a, a huge increase in, in cults and false religions? It's happening right now because people are searching for spiritual realities. See, the natural has not satisfied. There's something within the spirit of man that is searching for something outside of themselves. And so there's a void, there's an emptiness, and the church is called to fill that void. Because if we don't fill the void, the cults and the false religions will. So that's just an added motivation for us to do that. Since, um, let me just give you a, a, a picture of what the uh, early church was like, because this is what um, I always like to go back to the book. Who reckons that's a good idea? Just what, what was in the book, and just say, God, will you give us what was in the book? So let me give you a few scriptures of what the early church, what every church should be like. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So every day, people are being saved, but not only saved, but added to the church. Acts 5.14, believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. The early church was continually growing on rapidly on souls being saved and added to the church. And friends, that's the blueprint for the church of today. That's the blueprint for the church of New Zealand. If we can get this happening, friends, there'll be more Christians in New Zealand than there are now. The, the percentage of Christians will rapidly increase instead of continuing to decline, which has been happening over the last decades. But to, to multitudes being saved and added, that's why we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. All right, we've got to keep going after those who are lost. We started, as I've been preparing the sermon, you know, during the week as I opened my Bible, I think at least three times I opened the Bible and it fell open at the same scripture. Do you know what the scripture was? It was Isaiah 52 and verse 7, which says this, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation. Three times my Bible fell. I thought, Holy Spirit, you are speaking, you are shouting, you are calling me, you're calling our church that it's time to go to bring in a mighty harvest. So, hey, let's expect that. Let's believe for it. Let's see it. It's going to come in. Do you know we started this church uh, 30 odd years ago? And there was about 100 people when we first were interviewed for it. And we're just over in this corner here. The building could sit on, maybe 350 people. It was just over in that area for those of you who are not here. Some of you weren't even born. But uh, we were over there doing the hard yards while you were still in God's thoughts. All right? <laughs> and then so that, that place filled up like rapidly. The, this church has had astronomical growth, by the way. Some of you don't know. The first Sunday I got there, it wasn't a, I was interviewed for a church of 100. First Sunday I got there, there was 200 people there, like 100% growth in that one night, one day, over a day. And then, then within about a month, there was uh, 400 people there. 
and then it jumped suddenly to 800 people, and it's just kept on growing. We've just seen the church double several times overnight, and I'm praying for it to happen again. I said, come come on, God, double it now. Double it tomorrow. Next Sunday, double it again. You've done it before. You can do it again. So we went from there, went to the three guys. It was a supermarket back there that could seat about 600 people. We had multiple services there. Then finally, we came into here, and... um, and over this period of time, we've probably—I estimate—we're probably on our altar calls, seen somewhere around fifteen thousand people plus give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's been amazing. I wish they were all added to the church, uh, but it hasn't happened. But uh, it, but then I sometimes I ask the question: God, why, why, why these buildings? Why are you giving us all of this? There's a harvest to come. Yeah. It's not so we can tell people, oh, we got two buildings, we got this, we got that, we got the other. Friends, that's nothing to do with it. God provides empty seats because we're called to fill them. Go onto the highways and byways and compel them to come in. God gives us this for a purpose, for a reason. And as long as there's an empty seat, friends, we've got to keep fighting for, for people to come to Christ and to be saved and born again. So, you know, there's a statement I'd like to give you. And it, the statement is this, if you look after God's heart, He'll look after the desires of your heart. Yeah. yeah. God's heart. So we're looking after God's heart in this place by trying to reach lost people. So he gives us what we need. He gives us buildings. He gives us finances. He gives us staff. He gives us, he gives us what we need because we're looking after his heart. Can I encourage you? Start to look after the heart of God. It will change your life. It, it, will, it will give you purpose. It will give you a future. It will give you anointing. It will give you every, everything because Acts 1.8, uh, you know, the, 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 the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Judea, all the rest of it. The Holy Spirit comes on us. Why? To be witnesses. You want more Holy Spirit? Begin to share Christ. Begin to talk to people about Jesus and you'll experience more of the Holy Spirit in your life because that's when you receive the power of God. So men and women through history have had a burning passion for souls. Let me give you a few quotes and I just pray they'll touch your heart, all right? You ready for these? They're pretty deep, they're pretty strong. Number one is Spurgeon, that great preacher. I don't want a church in the veil. Give me a mission at the gates of hell. Oh, come on, Jesus. Give me a mission. At the, well, guess what? We've got a mission at the gates of hell right here. They're right outside those four walls. There, there's the there's gates of hell, quite frankly, I believe. So George Whitfield said this, Oh Lord, give me souls or take my life. Hmm. C.T. Studd put it this way. Someone to live within the sound of church and chapel bell. I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. These are the greats of history, friends. We get lost in everything else and forget the purpose of our existence. The reason we have breath today, quite frankly, friends, is to help reach lost people for Jesus. That's why you have breath today. Take a breath. Just take a breath. That's why you have it. That's why you have it. Help reach lost people for Jesus. Help people from going to burn in hell forever. Let me tell you this incredible story. It's about the Titanic. And uh, it's going to come up a slide for you there. There you go. There's the Titanic. Incredible ship carrying 2,200 passengers. Many very, very wealthy, famous people. They said even God couldn't sink the ship. Considered unsinkable. 
On 18 April the 14th, 1912, it struck an iceberg that ripped open six water part, watertight compartments and the sea poured in. On this ship was a pastor by the name of John Harper, Baptist pastor, with his six-year-old daughter and his nana. There they are, the three of them. John Harper took his daughter to the lifeboat and he kissed his girl with tears in his eyes and told her that she would see him again someday. With tears, he headed towards the sinking ship. Now, it's reasonable to assume that as the sole accompanying parent, he could easily have got into a lifeboat headed for safety, but never seemed to cross his mind. Minutes later, the Titanic was breaking in half. Fifteen hundred and twenty people, they say, were swept into the frigid ocean, along with John Harper. He was seen swimming to people and leading them to Jesus. He swam to one young man and said, are you saved? The man said, no. And Harper called out to him and said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The young man drifted away into the darkness. They got separated. Then they came together again and Harper was on his last breaths. He says to the young man again, he says, are you saved? The young man says, no. Harper says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Then John Harper died as he drowned in the frigid oceans. The young man he witnessed to survived. Four years later, there's a survivor's meeting in Canada. A young man stood up and with tears in his eyes. recounted how John Harper had led him to Christ. He was John Harper's last convert. And John Harper's last dying words were Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's a man that understood eternal realities. He knew where he was going. 
on that ship was a Salvation Army youth group. There was a young Christian girl in the frigid oceans. She got a life jacket and she threw it to this man and said, hey, take this. Her last means of survival, her only hope of survival, she threw to this man. The man got this life jacket and thought, it's not right that this young girl will die. So he threw the jacket back to her. She got the jacket one more time. She threw it back to the man. And then said words that he would never forget. She said, take this. I will die better than you. She knew where she was going. I will die better than you. Just a young girl, probably teenager, early 20s, who understood the reason for her being, understood the reason for her existence, was to do what she could to reach men and women for Jesus Christ. May God stir our hearts this year Friends, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for him. This is not my greatest burden. It's his greatest burden. When we understand eternal realities, everything changes. God's called every one of us and anointed every one of us for this task. It's amazing, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5 says this. God, who has reconciled us to himself, that means we're saved. Then what does it say? And given us the ministry of reconciliation. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Tell the person next to you, you have the ministry of reconciliation. Tell them. Isn't that amazing? You know, some of us like to say, well, that's not really my zone. God said, yes, it is. He said, I've given you the ministry of record. We can't run from it. We can't hide from it. We can't deny it. God has put it on us, every single one of us. We have this anointing, this ability to do what we can to help people reach people for Jesus. We are anointed with the ministry of reconciliation. And so there's no point in saying that I can't do it or I'm not called to do it because God's word is true. He's anointed me. He's anointed you. We can do this. We can get the job done. We can reach this nation for Jesus. We can bring in the masses. We can bring in the multitude. We can turn West Auckland to Jesus. We can get your family safe. We can get your prodigals back. We can get your husband, your wife safe. We can get your children, your grandparents, your grandfather, whoever's saved if they're still around. God has given you and me the ministry of reconciliation. We can reach the lost for Jesus. We can bring in a harvest that we've only ever dreamed of. Get ready this year to believe God for your sons, your daughters, your children, your parents, your family, your friends, your neighbours, your work colleagues. Begin to believe God. This is the year of salvation. This is harvest time. This is harvest time. You have got the ministry of reconciliation. We just got to be available. It's as simple as that. Just be available to do this. 
Let me tell you about Tony Evans. Age 10, his parents are heading for divorce. But everything changed when someone told his father about Jesus. Completely unsafe family. His father gives his life to Christ. He begins to pray daily for his family to be saved. It's time for your family to be safe, folks. It's time for your family to come back to Jesus. That's why we want to all get into this, don't we? So he'd pray. One day his wife comes down to where the father's praying. And uh, she's crying. And he says to her, what's wrong? And she says, the worse I am to you, the better you treat me. That's good Christianity right there, folks. If you've got unsafe family, there you go, there's a word for you. And then she said, "Um, whatever you've got must be real. I want it. So he led her to Jesus. Then mum and dad are saved, and they lead their four boys to Jesus. One of the four boys is Tony Evans. And Tony Evans goes on to build a great church reaching lost people in Texas. All because someone told the father about Jesus. And there was a ripple effect. And probably thousands and thousands of people now have been saved. And we're going to give credit, and that's the fruit of that one man who probably in a maybe even a weak, pathetic way, who knows, told the Father about Jesus. He may have only just said, do you know Jesus? Well, you need to. I don't know what he said, but that may have been all he said. But the fruit of that one time of sharing Christ, however he did it, how weakly he might did it, he may have done it a great way, thousands upon thousands giving their lives to Christ. thinking of the man, young man, shared Christ with me, told me about Jesus. He would never know, and he's still alive today, as a result of his courage telling me about Jesus. We have now seen thousands and thousands and thousands give their life to Jesus Christ, the fruit of one man's courage to tell another about Jesus. Wow, it's incredible, isn't it? Amazing what God can do when we tell people about Jesus. As I wrap this up, John 4, verse 35. Do not say, do not say, your family, your friends, your work colleagues, your children, your parents, your husband, your wife, Do not say, there are four months, then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white for harvest. We think people are resistant. We think people are not not ready. Jesus said, hold on a minute. The harvest is plentiful. People are ready to be saved. Matthew 9, 37 to 38, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is the laborers. 
you and I, we are the laborers. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And we do need to pray, Lord, send laborers into the harvest and then be the answer to your prayer. (laughs) And send yourself into the harvest fields of the world. As you join us, trust you can at New Zealand and beyond, one of the things that you will get is an increased heart for what matters most to God, for lost people, for our nation. We've called the theme Revive. Great theme. God revived me, and hey, we want you to be revived. We want you to have an encounter with God. We want all of that, but we want to be revived. We want a church to be revived so that it is empowered to reach lost people and our nation for Jesus. If you want a greater heart, personally to be revived first of all, but also to be a part of God's great mission in the world, you know, to capture the heart of God, then I think New Zealand and beyond is a great place to do that. You know, we can seek the hand of God. It's a great thing to do. God bless me, you know, my finances, breakthrough, healing, miracle. God bless me, we seek the hand of God. And he's, he, it's good to do. Then we can seek the face of God. Lord, I worship you. I saw the Lord seated on the throne. I am lifted up. Fantastic. We've got to do that as well. But maybe the highest level is to seek the heart of God. And the heart of God is the people outside these four walls who don't know about Jesus and why Jesus left heaven, died on a cross to reach the people outside the four walls of churches today. Yeah, by all means, keep seeking the hand of God. Keep seeking the face of God more than ever before. But hey, let's seek also the heart of God. Musicians, come and join me, please. God wants to revive us. He wants to heal you, give you a breakthrough. But ultimately, the call of every Christian and every church and the vision of New Zealand and beyond is to reach the lost, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your work colleagues, your husband, your wife, whoever it might be, uh, to Jesus and to turn this nation back to God. It's harvest time. Expect to see family and friends come to Christ this year. Expect prodigals to return to the Lord. Expect a mighty harvest of souls radically saved and born again by the Spirit of God. It is harvest time in Jesus' name. Amen.